But uh, chapter 14, so what he's going to be covering is weak believers and how that the church is to receive those that are, that are weak. So the, the issues that he's going to deal with here is you're going to have in verse number 2, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So, and let's, let's look one more. And in verse number 5, you've got the issue of days. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. So you put yourself back at this time, and you've got Gentiles. You know, we, we live in a country where really Christianity is just about all that there is other than some foolishness in our neck of the woods. That's how people are raised up. People are raised up knowing the Word of God. But in, in this day, there was one people that knew something of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was all they had in this day. The Word of God's being written even as Paul is writing this letter. The New Testament is still being authored. So the Old Testament's all they had. And the only people that had the Old Testament, the only people that knew anything about God then was the Jewish people. And what they knew was the ceremonial law and the law of Moses and the prophets. That's what they had. And even some of them didn't believe anything outside of Moses. The Sadducees only believed those first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. And then you had everybody else. And everybody else, they were idol worshipers. And they believed in all manner of gods. And depending on what country you went to, you know, there's something else that we, we don't understand. We're, we're not anywhere like that. But you can drive an hour and still be in the United States. You're in another state. You might go to Tennessee you might go to South Carolina, but we're all one country. Here, you might get in a car and drive an hour, and you might pass through five different countries altogether. And so every country, they had their own traditions, they had their own beliefs, they had their own gods. Everything was different. So in Rome, which was a major city, and this is where everybody would come to. If you were a merchant man, you'd like to get to Rome to sell your goods. If if you were going to uh, be one that would go to your home country and sell things, you'd come to Rome, to the major city center, to the head of the government. So here's people out of every nation gathered in this city. And the gospel is preached in Rome, and a church is established, and there's people that worship Diana saved in this church. There's people that worshiped Ashtaroth that's saved in this church. There's people that were Jews that are saved in this church and their backgrounds are all different. And the Jew who was somebody that held to that ceremonial law, they would eat that that was clean and that that was unclean, they would shun. So just a well-known example, they, they wouldn't eat swine, wouldn't eat pig meat, pork, because it was unclean, it wasn't allowed by the law of Moses. And the, the honoring of days on the Sabbath day, they only had so far that they could journey. They couldn't do any labor on that day. So that was all ceremonial law. And that was abolished in Jesus Christ. Remember, Peter is there and the picture is more broad but there the Lord lets down the sheet and there's all manner of beasts. And he says, Peter, rise and eat. Peter says, not so, Lord. I've never ate 
anything that's unclean. And the Lord says, Peter, call nothing that I have cleansed common or unclean. So the Lord has, by Christ Jesus, He's brought us into His family and the ceremonies of the law is no longer required. But as people are saved in this day, there's still those Jews that says, I'm, I'm not going to eat swine's meat. It, it bothers me to do that. And that was, that's not because God commanded that, but it's because that was the way they were brought up and their, their tradition and the way they were taught from a child. And the, the Gentiles, they, they were brought up eating all manner of meat and nothing ever bothered them. And so they, they would eat. And you see, you've got, you got a conflict there. Because the Jews are going to say, well, they, they do all of this junk and they travel on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day didn't matter anymore. It was no longer, it was the Lord's day that the church would worship as we do today, the first day of the week. And so on the Sabbath day, on Saturday, they didn't observe all of the little ceremonies and laws that were involved with that. And the Jews would say, look at these loose living Christians out here not keeping the law of Moses. And the Gentiles would say, look at these weaklings that don't know that we're free in Christ to take part in this. So it's that division there. It's not that there was a problem with one's own convictions. It was the problem of conflict that would arise from that. Some thinking they're better, others thinking they're better, all for their own reasons. So that's what Paul's going to address here. And it's important to to know this. And we may have to say this the whole time we're in this chapter. This is not a justification for me to break the moral law of God. It's... It's a sin. You see, the ceremonies and the traditions, that's done away, but the moral law of God is still as strongly in effect now as it was in the Old Testament. That God said, thou shalt not steal. It's still a sin and wrong for me to steal. And so somebody could take some of this Scripture and say, well, it doesn't condemn me. It doesn't bother me to steal. Therefore, I'm free to steal. It doesn't bother me to be a drunkard. It's not condemning me. And in Christ, we're free, so I'm just going to be a drunkard. That's misuse of the Scripture. Sin is still sin. And we see in this chapter, in verse 8, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So amongst them that are saved, and that's an important thing to know because there's very few that are saved and belong to God. But those in the church that are saved, they don't belong to themselves anymore. This scripture does not change that. He makes mention of that in this chapter. That when you're saved, you're no longer your own. But while you're living on the earth, you belong to the Lord. And when you die, you belong to Him as well. And so, He is covering this problem. But also there's this. In Galatians, you've got a people, a Gentile and Jew church that's mixed. 
that heard the preaching of the gospel through Paul. There were people that were saved and converted. And then after Paul left, there were Judaizers that came in. And so what they're going to teach is the ceremonial law. But in this regard, you have to do this or you're not saved. Yes, you came to an altar. Yes, you you, uh, made a profession. Yes, the Holy Spirit was imparted to you. But if you don't get circumcised, and if you don't keep the Sabbath days, and if you don't eat what the law commands you to eat, then you're just as lost as you was before. That's not what this is. This is not corrupting doctrine and teaching that that's wrong. Paul sharply rebukes Galatia because they had left the truth of justification by faith in Christ alone and had turned to a works and Christ mix. And so he rebukes that. But here, here we're talking about that they're believing the right thing. They're justified in Christ and in Him alone. They're not frustrating the grace of God like the Galatians did. They're not falling from grace. But this is a manner of their convictions and how they live. So what's commanded? In verse number 3, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. In verse number 6, He that regardeth the day regardeth it to the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. So what's he saying? Don't let one disesteem, to set aside, to think less of, of the other, and let not one to judge or condemn the other. See, the Gentiles would say, you Jews, you're, you're weaklings, and really you're nothing, and set them aside. And the Jews would say, you're ungodly and you're serving the devil, and would condemn the others. And neither of those is true. Do you see that? The Gentiles are not sinning and serving the devil by not keeping the ceremonial law. And the Jews are not something that can be cast aside as nothing because they are weak. And it is, it's worth saying it's weakness. Him that is weak in the faith. They had not come to the place that they fully trusted the entirety of the New Testament. And they did not recognize their full freedom in Christ. But that does not mean that they did not belong to Christ. So what's the conclusion? Verse 3 and 4, at the end of 3, Judge not him that eateth not, Him that eateth, judge not him that eateth, for God hath received him. So in Christ, all have justification. All of those that have come to God, whether they're the weakest of the weak in the family of God, or the the wisest and the most knowledgeable and the most able in the Scriptures, that does not affect my righteousness in God's eyes. Because my righteousness is not affected by me. But I'm righteous on Christ's merit. I'm righteous on Christ's regard. And see right there, the mind of man jumbles everything up and says, well, I'm righteous on Christ. I can sin 
and get away with it. That makes sense, carnally, logically thinking. But them that are Christ's, they belong to Christ. And because they belong to Him, they're not free to go and do. And that's all been covered through this book of Romans. This chapter does not do away with what's already been covered. So uh, all are to be accountable to their master. Who do I answer to? To Christ. And who do you answer to? To Christ. And so the mindset of the church ought to be this, how do I stand before my master? Remember Peter asked the Lord, uh, the Lord told him, Peter, you're going to be carried and you're going to be crucified. Peter said, what about this man? And he was talking about John. What's he going to do? And Jesus says, Peter, what, what does that matter to you in the least bit? It doesn't matter what John does. You're not John's master. You're not going to answer to John and John's not going to answer to you. This is what you're going to endure because I'm going to have you to endure it and John's going to endure what I'm going to have him to endure. So see, we're not each other's masters to cash down, to disesteem. I answer to the Lord as do you. So we let the Lord to handle the problem. You see that? So uh, as our faith is, so we should live. This is not liberty to sin, but you know, if it condemns me, if what I would do is condemning to my conscience, then I'm, I'm condemning and bringing condemnation and a loss of confidence on my own self. It doesn't change my justification before God. That's unchangeable. That's sealed up in Christ forevermore. But what it does is it brings condemnation to me and it robs me of my confidence before God because I'm guilty now in my own mind. I'm doing that. That brings condemnation to me. I realize that's, that's a lot to think about. But that's what we're going to be looking at in this chapter. So let's start now in verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. So him that's weak, to be feeble in any sense, diseased, or there's something wrong there that's making this person to be weak. So there's those that are weak in the faith. And you see here, Here's the Lord. Faith cometh from the Lord. He gifts that to every man severally as he will. And you know, one thing, I, I've talked about this this week just a little bit, but you think about how Paul said that I am what I am by the grace of God. Now, what in all does that include? You see what I'm saying? That's, is that only speaking of His salvation and standing in Christ? No, I, I believe this. I believe that includes every facet of the man's life God had brought along. God had provided for. God had given as God saw fit. So him that's weak 
in the faith. Receive ye. So to receive, to take to oneself, to lead, to admit. There is much a part of the family of God as anybody else. They are saved and justified in Christ. So receive them, but not to doubtful disputations. That's discussion, consideration, debate, and a judicial estimation or sentence. So here's what these are courtroom words. What's going on? Well, here's somebody that's weak in the faith, and here I am. I'm going to have a, uh, uh, as a lawyer's argument, to try to talk them out of what they think. So here's a Jew that says, I can't eat swine, that condemns me, and I'm going to have a, a doubtful disputation. I'm going to try to argue that thought out of him. I'm going to try to persuade him the other way. And, you know, we pour in the Word of God. That's the way and the means that those that are weak are going to be strengthened. They're not going to be strengthened through trying to argue it out with them man to man. But if they grow, they're going to grow by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit leading them into the truth. They're not going to grow by the arguments and the strife and the wrangling of man. It's very easy to say, I'm going to teach him something or I'm going to teach her something and try to ingrain that into the mind. But that's not the way Christians grow. We're talking about a problem here. This weakness brings condemnation in their inward conscience. So how can that be overcame? Not by doubtful disputations. So he says this in Isaiah 40, verse 11. This is speaking of Christ. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. So here's the good shepherd and he's looking over his flock. That's us. We're the flock of God, His church. And those that are with young, He's gently leading them. Those that are lambs and not able to walk, He's carrying them. So those rams that are able, they're just following Him. But He's meeting the need of every single one that's in the flock. He's not looking at the lambs and saying, you're too weak, I'm going to leave you behind and you're left to struggle on your own. And he doesn't look at the rams and say, well, you're strong and mighty, you just go on without me. But he cares for every individual as they have need. That's the way the church is to do. To lovingly care and provide one for another. There's going to be milk for them that are weak. There's going to be meat for them that are strong. And it's all found in the Word of God. You know, it's a hard thing sometimes in the flesh. But as you teach, you try to, you try to teach all things that's found in the Scripture. And I, I realize some things, are, some things are hard to understand and people don't understand it. Sometimes people don't pay attention. But you know, by the grace of God, God takes and administers as He sees fit to every individual heart that the church might grow in the Word of God. The Lord's got mind of the strong and the weak and the needy and He's leading and providing 
for each one as they need. So listen to this as well in Isaiah 42. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment into truth. So the bruised reed, here's something that's just about to break. Here's something that's just about to go, and and the, the smoking flax, here's something that's just about to be extinguished. But you know, the Lord, the Lord is a gentle shepherd, and He's not even going to break the bruised reed. Even those that look and appear to be the weakest, and why they're only holding on by a thread. And any little thing that comes along is going to break them down. That's the way it looks a lot of times. And yet, if they are the Lord's, it's not their strength that stands them up. The Lord's not going to let the weakest one in the house that belongs to Him to fall to the ground. You can rest in that. That if we belong to Him, we're in the hands of the shepherd and even the littlest of the lambs, the Lord's caring for. They belong to Him. And so He's mindfulness in these that are looking and trusting in those things. He's mindful of them and the church is commanded, you admit them into the number and don't try to to fix everything that's wrong with them before you admit them. The Word of God says they're weak. They may very well be weak. But you know, them that are strong, they were weak at one time as well. How did we get to where we are? God brought us along through the pouring in of the Word of God. That's the kind, when you hear revival, well, we need to behave better. That's what automatically comes to mind. And that's the thought of the revival. You know what really needs to be revived? The getting out of the Word of God. I would that there could be a revival of pouring out the truth of the Word. You know how the church is going to grow? Preaching the Word. You know how the lost are going to be illumined? By the preaching of the Word. Do you know how the weak are going to be strengthened? By preaching the Word. It's it's simply pouring out the Word of God. And God cares for His shepherds. And God cares for His lambs as He sees fit. God providing through His Word. But if I never deal with the Scripture, and if I don't preach the Word, and it's not rightly divided, it's just me trying to dispute with you about how you're living and me trying to get you to do better. You see that? A lot of the preaching that goes on is doubtful disputations. You're not doing the way I think you ought to do Therefore, I'm going to dispute and argue with you to try to persuade you to be like me. That is the truth. You think on that, that is exactly what goes on. And it's not doctrine that men and, and churches are preaching and upholding. It's tradition and my thought and my thinking. We're to receive all that are Christ. Listen to what he says here. One believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. So here's a difference. Here's one that was a Gentile 
that ate meat his whole life, he's brought into the kingdom of God. He understands that in Christ all things are clean and he's able to eat and he still freely eats everything that's laid before him. Now here's a Jew. Here's a Jew that was brought up and from from his very birth and the time that his mind is able to understand, he understands that pork is unclean and you can't eat that pork or you're going to be condemned before God and you're going to be unclean. Don't eat that. So for 35, for 40 years, he's lived on this earth. He's never touched pork in his life because mama and daddy, and that's got a lot of weight on it. Mom and daddy says something and old men and old women still hold to what mom and daddy said, whether it's right or not. So mom and daddy said that. This is what I've been taught. This is my tradition. And now they're saved. And they understand that everything is common. And everything that was unclean in the Old Testament is now made clean in Christ. They understand that. They see that. I believe that, but I just can't bring myself to do it. You see that? There's still that inward conviction there. And they can't eat. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Now there's the thing. God hath received. That's the same word that he says above, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. So to bring to oneself, to lead, or to admit. Now here's the question. If God has brought one to himself, if God has admitted them into his family, if God has saved them and put his spirit within them, who is the church to say, you don't belong here? The reason that you ought to accept this weakling Jew and the reason the Jew shouldn't judge this Gentile is because God has brought them into his family and they're justified in him. Remember, Peter, don't you call anything unclean that I've cleansed. Who do you think you are? You see that? That's what's being said here. God's received them. Now don't you put them out. Don't you try to overrule God and do God one better. God don't need my help. God's handling them that are His. Now I say this too. This don't mean we open the membership and we let everybody to join the church. You could take that wrongly as well. The church membership is open to all of them that are born again and show evidence of the Holy Ghost living in them. I realize we're not going to be right 100% of the time because we're mankind. We are man. And there are people that join that are not filled with the Spirit. They're not saved. They don't belong to God. But the, the cause and the purpose remains the same. Here's people that God's received... And if God has received them, and if they are saved, the church is to admit them and bring them into the family. Because if God's received them, we're to receive them. 
as well. That's the reason provided. So he says uh, in Acts chapter 15, this is Peter speaking now after the fact, and God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now here was a dispute because Cornelius and some Gentiles had been saved. And the Jews down at Jerusalem were mad, first of all, that Peter went and preached to them and that Peter went into a Gentile's house because you couldn't do that under the ceremonial law. And second, that these people had come to faith and been baptized. Peter, you've messed up. You had no business going down there and then you baptized these Gentiles? Who do you think you are, Peter? And so Peter's given his answer here. And he says, look, God came by. I preached the gospel and God came by and God filled them with a spirit just like He did us. God made no difference between me and between them. And so if, if God didn't make a difference, then how can I make a difference? If God saves them, why can't I baptize them? You're telling me God made a mistake? Now this might sound crazy, but there's things along this lines in our neck of the woods here. There's thoughts and traditions that even if this one's saved, now you can't join the church till you do this, till you do that, or till you do the other. And you're saying, well, here's one that God has saved and cleansed and brought into the family. But I'm saying you can't join until you do more. I'm saying that's wrong. That's not scriptural. If God has admitted them, then the church has a responsibility to admit them. If God has filled them with a spirit, who am I, a self-righteous Jew, to say they don't need to have part with us because they're common and they're unclean. Boy, there's a great forgetting of where we came from in that. They've forgotten that they were once purged from their old sins. And I've already mentioned the Scripture in Acts 15 that what I've cleansed, don't you make a distinction apart from the work that I've done. That's what God says to Peter. If I've cleansed them, then don't you go calling them unclean. So here, them that are weak, don't despise them. And them that are strong, don't judge them. Don't let there be any division or strife brought about because of the place of growth that we're at. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. So who art thou that judgest another man's servant? This man's not your servant. He doesn't belong to you. He belongs to Christ. So if they're Christ's, then you can guarantee that the Good Shepherd will care for and provide for them 
as they need. If they need correcting, God will correct them. If they need to grow, God will grow them. If they need straightened out, God will straighten them out. You see, the problem is people don't belong to God. Churches are filled with lost people and things never get straightened out. And man says, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to preach this scripture and I'm going to straighten them out. And you know what it amounts to is you're trying to herd goats like you would sheep. But them that are the Lord's, the Lord will bring them along. The Lord will grow them. The Lord will teach them. And it's not going to be because I've done something to teach them because then, then I've got something to glory in. But it's going to be God at work in their hearts growing and bringing them along as we pour out the Word of God. So our job, pour out the Word. And them that belong to the Lord, they'll stand or they'll fall before Him. People are accountable to their master. And if they're accountable to the Lord, the Bible says, to his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. God's able to take the weakest of the weak and he's able to stand them up and keep them by His power. You know what that is? That's glory to God that this little weakling is still there and still standing and hasn't been knocked down by all that they've went through. And the strong that God has grown, they're to His glory as well. The Paul the Apostle that wrote the great majority of the Bible, he says, God made me what I am and without God I would have never been this. And God gets glory. But the little weaklings of the church at Rome, they're standing through all manner of tribulation and God's holding them up and God's getting glory through them as well. They're accountable to their master. So verse 5, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So now we're talking here, we're looking back at the feast days. The Jews, they kept the feast of the Passover every year. They kept the feast of the Day of Atonement every year. They kept the feast of booths every year. They had all of these Sabbath days and new moons and holy days that were set aside for worship by the ceremonial law. But you know, when Christ... All of the ceremonial worship of God was done away. It's not in this mountain, nor in that mountain, nor at Jerusalem where God's going to be worshipped any longer. But God is going to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. So the going through the motions of these ceremonies no longer were honorable to God. It was by the Spirit that God was to be worshipped. But here's the Jews that these days were special all of their life. Therefore, they're still special to them. And on, on the Day of Atonement, they're going to do as the law directs because their conscience 
bids them to do so. And the Gentile, he's never thought the Day of Atonement was special. He's never kept it. And in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, he's not required to, so he's not going to. So is there anything wrong in either situation? But man by conscience sake is doing as he seems right. And he says, let every man be fully persuaded, completely assured or convinced in his own mind. This is not, well, I'm persuaded that I should sin and I'm going to do it. We're not talking about sin anywhere in this chapter. And we're not talking about a wrong doctrine here, trusting in works for salvation. But here's a man that's in Jesus. These days are still special in his conscience. And he's compelled to keep them because of that. And so they say, well, he's keeping these days that don't matter anymore. Well, if they don't matter, and he's not putting his trust in the keeping of those days, what's it hurt that they do that? And to the strong that doesn't keep them, don't try to impose your law and your convictions on them because you think they ought to do this way. You know, it's, it's like this. This is just a couple examples of things that I've seen and that I've heard. Some folks say that you ought to throw your TV out. And if you're really going to draw, draw near to the Lord, you, can't, you shouldn't even have one in your house. Well, that's, that's well and good. If that's what you believe, then well and good. I could say this though, if you really want to draw near to God, you ought to cut your power out and do like the Amish. I mean, if you're going to go that way, let's go a step farther. And where does that end? I, you could drive her into the ground and you could say, well, we ought to live in a cave and sleep on a rock if you really want to draw near to the Lord. Or maybe we ought to go up to the top of some mountain and live in a commune. <clears throat> None of that's in the Word of God. If I feel like I ought to throw it out, then throw it out. But I ought not expect you to throw yours out. You see what I'm saying? That There's those as well. Shorts and a man. Well, shorts are women's clothes. And a man ought not wear shorts in the world. That's that exists as well. I've heard that as well. And so if, if I go buy my shorts out of the women's section, then you can get me for that. But I'm wearing men's clothes. And you know, if, if you're convicted that you shouldn't wear shorts, then that's well and good. But to try to force that on everybody else, that's not the Word of God. So that's not right to do so. That's the kind of things we're talking. It's not whether I can go out and get drunk tonight or not. And it's not whether I can lay with a woman I'm not married to or not. That is not what he's dealing with in this Scripture. Man is not free to sin, but we're talking about these little nitpicky things that if we're not careful, we'll set up a tradition and we'll try to hold men to something that God never held men to. Because I think it. And that's wrong. That's wrong. So if you want to be strong and judge everybody else and disesteem everybody that's not just like you, you do that. 
but you're accountable to the same master that the rest of the church is accountable to and you're a servant just like everybody else is a servant to him. So what's he say? Be fully persuaded in your own mind. He's, I'm going to skip to the end for just a minute. He that doubteth is damned as be eat because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So that faith, that's the persuasion or the moral conviction of religious truth. And if I can't with conviction, and if I can't with full persuasion do something and it be right, then I should not do that. That's what he's saying there. If there's any shred of doubt whether this is right or not in my mind, then it's sin for me to do that. I'm sinning against my own conscience. So if I'm not fully persuaded that this is right, then I should keep my hands off of that. I shouldn't bring condemnation on myself by allowing that that condemns my conscience. So how should you serve God? As you are fully persuaded in your own mind. And if God fully persuades you to throw your TV out, then throw it out. But don't try to persuade everybody else to do what you're persuaded of. And I say this, that that can be a problem. That can come before God. That can come before my prayer life. That can come before the Word of God. That can cause a problem. But you can throw it out and something else will come into its place. There's always that strife and that warfare that's there no matter what's in the house. In the body and the soul, the war and the conflict will be there. We've got to be careful about man's laws and man's thinking versus God's law and God's thinking. Right. You see, there, there's a great place of error that could be had here. So in Acts 11, verse number 17, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I should withstand God? Peter again arguing the same argument. You're telling me that what I should have done was opposed what God had done. You're telling me that God's going to save and then we as a church, we need to gather up and decide whether we're going to let them in or not. I tell you what you're doing. You're withstanding the God that saved you and that saved them as well. So let's look at the next verse. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that not eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. See what's going on here? Man's not turning to sin, but they're serving the Lord the best that they know how. You see that? The man that does not regard the holy days, he doesn't regard them to the Lord. He's not trying to skirt his responsibility in service to God. And the man that's keeping these holy days, he's doing it to honor the Lord that saved them. Him that eateth the meat, 
He giveth God thanks and says, Father, I'm thankful for the food that you've provided me, for the meat that you've given me to eat. I pray that you would cleanse it, use it to nourish me and help me to serve you. And he would eat to the Lord. Him that eateth not, he's withholding his diet and holding him to these restrictions that he might bring glory to the Lord. And he giveth the Lord thanks. So whether he's eating the meat or he's eating the herbs, God's being thanked and God's being glorified. In reality, what difference does it make? See, we can have all of these things that's going to create strife between me and you, between you and another. And in the grand scheme of things, while in the carnal... And if we get wound up in it, it'll mean everything to us. But if, if we think about it the right way, really, what does it matter? And it doesn't matter anything. So he says here, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So we do not belong to ourselves any longer. The church has been bought with a price in Hebrews chapter 7, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So God's salvation reaches to the uttermost parts of the life. There's not one part of someone that is born again that is not saved. And it's not something that's going to end down the line because this master lives forever to make intercession for them. So if this is the work that God does, then at what point can we cut people out? Well, I'm going to cut them out because they do this. Boy, I'm telling you, that's, that's bad thinking. And we're, that's crossing the line. First Peter chapter 1, Now these who are saved are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The church is kept by God's power. It's not me lording over you that keeps you in service to God. And if it is, you'll quit before long. You'll never be faithful You'll never, you'll never day by day have this affect your life. It may affect you on Sunday, but what about tomorrow? See, if I'm your Lord, then it won't be there tomorrow unless I'm there. But see, the church is kept by God's power. So even when church lets out and Monday comes around, the Lord's still there keeping them reserving them, leading them. They can't get away from Him. They're kept by His power and by His grace. And none of us... Now, He's not talking about the whole world here, but it's none of us. None of the church. None of us liveth to Himself. Nobody that's saved is free to live and do as he or she sees fit. We're not free to go sin. 
The world is free to go sin. The lost is free to do as they please this evening. The lost is free to determine what they're going to do on Sunday. They are. They're free to do that. But the church, they, they don't belong to their self. We don't live to ourselves. We're not free to make our own decisions. <coughs> Why, well, I'm free to do as I please. Then you don't belong to the Lord. Do you see that? For none of us liveth to Himself. We belong to God. We are bought with a price and ye are not your own. And the picture is this. It's taboo in our world today, but it's the way it is. The picture is this. The Lord went down to the slave block and there we were for sale and He bought us and we're His property and He owns us and what He says we do. That's the picture. We belong to Him. He bought us. He bought us with His own blood. Brought us into His family. And we're not free to live to ourself. And no man dieth to himself. I'm not at my own disposal in life, nor am I at my own disposal in death. You know when I'm going to die? When He ordains it. And if it's at 35 years old and every fiber within me does not want to die, I'm not free to die to myself. I'm going when He ordains it to be. What kind of control does God have? He's got all control. He sets the bounds of our life. He uses the picture of the ocean to show me that. He set the bound of the ocean. You know what she does? She roars all day and all night. And she's reaching and reaching. But it can't get out. God set the bounds. That's the way man is. God has set man's bounds and we're not going over them. We're not free to live and we're not free to die. Job said, oh, that I could just die. I'd be better off if I would die. But He's got me in His hand. So nobody's free to do as they please in any facet of their life that belongs to God in salvation. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Them that are saved day by day as they live, they live by the faith of the Son of God and the power of the Spirit within their life. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. When it comes time to die, the church can rest in this. Some of these folks that's going to read this letter, they're going to die a violent death. Great violence and great suffering was suffered at, of the early church and still in some places today. But they, they would heat up cooking oil over a fire and they'd drop them in alive. And they'd tie them to a stake and they'd light a fire at their feet and burn them up alive. They'd heat up a big grill. They'd throw them on a grill alive and cook them alive. They would skin them alive. One of the apostles was skinned alive like you would a deer. They're going to crucify them. They're going to behead them. 
They're going to let the blood out of them. But you know what the church can rest in? Whether it's a natural death or a violent death, the Lord is in control of it, and I never left His hands. And Peter, we're going to crucify you. We'll do it upside down. Because I don't deserve to die like the Lord did. And they nailed Him upside down by history. And you know what He did? He died knowing that He was in the Lord's hands. And when He left this earth with the Lord, He would be. What comfort there is in that. And that's what He's saying here. Whether we live or whether we die, therefore we are the Lord's. We belong to Him and we are at His disposal. Peter, they're going to carry you and crucify you. You're going to be stretched out against your will. And Peter said, what about John? We've already quoted this. See, Peter didn't get to decide how he was going to die. Paul didn't decide how he was going to die. Thomas didn't decide how he was going to die. None of those, none of those apostles decided. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He didn't decide that either. But they were at God's disposal. They belonged to God. Did God do any of them wrong? They began when they left here, honoring God in glory, and there they'll be forevermore. Their labor was short. Their suffering was nothing compared to the glory that they've received. So see, we the church belongs to God in life and in death. Would God that that doctrine would be taught? The church don't need me to keep whooping them back in line. The gospel will correct. The word will correct. But I, that, the church don't need continual reminding to straighten up and fly right. Because God's in the church. And whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. The Lord's bought us. The Lord keeps us. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that He might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Where does Christ's rule come to an end? Can you find an end to His kingdom? You know, North Carolina, we've got a state line over there just past Hot Springs. There you can mark the end of North Carolina governor's authority. Where's His rule end? Is He the Lord over them in the grave? You better believe it. Is He the Lord over them that's yet to be born? Absolutely. Is He the Lord over all men that's alive today? He is. Is He the Lord of the heavens and the earth? Is He the Lord over the kings and the princes and the authorities of this world? He's even the Lord over the devil. And we're at His disposal. Listen to what He says one more time, and we're out of time. To this end Christ died and rose and revived that He might be Lord. So look what He's saying. Christ lived on this earth. He died and rose again for this purpose. He didn't come and do this work to set sheep free all over the country. But He come to be the Lord. You see that? He come to be the good shepherd to keep and to lead 
and to God. So this Jesus that came and done this great work of suffering and resurrection, and now He's going to set me free to do how I want to, absolutely not. He came and done this work that He should be the Lord of the dead and of the living.